0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 577. In the immortal words of Han Solo from Star Wars episode 4, A New Hope, now what? Punch it, Chewie. No traps, no moisture, no committees. Just rebel rousing fun for everyday Jedi. It's the Star Wars 7x7 podcast with your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7 by 7 I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and yeah, it's time to start asking that now what question. This past weekend was the seventh weekend of the release of The Force Awakens, and it is slowly, inexorably approaching a grand total of $2 billion at the box office. The estimates out there suggest that it will hit that sometime in the coming week to 10 days. And even though the numbers are dropping performance-wise, it's still holding its own pretty well. It's the number three movie in America over the past weekend. I mean, number three, of course, Kung Fu Panda took it out like we knew it would. And yet, it's still on 2,500 screens, and I guess IMAX is splitting its time. IMAX screens are getting half Force Awakens time and half Revenant in some places and half the finest hours in other places. But unless it gets some crazy last-minute flood of action from, particularly in the overseas market, and more than anything else, it looks like it will not, in fact, topple the records of Avatar or even Titanic. I mean, it's certainly done that in the United States in the domestic market, but overseas it is not having the same impact that both Titanic and Avatar had. Although it does look like it has a sporting chance, The Force Awakens does, of overtaking Titanic in the international box office. So as one commentator, an industry analyst, has said on Forbes' website, the uh, big old money-making magazine and whatnot, that The Force Awakens could end up possibly being the number three box office hit of all time, number two in the international space, and number one in the domestic space. Interesting kind of run of the numbers there. But as fans of The Force Awakens, I think we are all in a bit of a valley right now. I was actually surprised to see that The Force Awakens stayed in our little local movie theater here. It uh, still has one screen and four showings, at least over the weekend. And we went out to the movies last night but saw The Revenant and met a friend of ours coming out at the same time. We had taken his kids to see The Force Awakens for their third time and his second time. And I'm glad to see it still in the hometown because I do want to see it another one or two times before it goes out of the theaters. And once it's out of the theaters, then we're waiting until April 5th. At least that's the current DVD date release that we're hearing about. And Lucasfilm is, of course, trying to keep the wheels of The Force Awakens greased with things like the reel that came out recently where it showed on one half of the screen what the shots looked like without any special effects added, and then the other half of the screen had all the digital visual effects added in them to show you how awesome it is. And there's a big American Cinematographer magazine piece that I guess is in... not an annual tradition, excuse me, I should say, just a Star Wars tradition that they do this somehow after every single Star Wars movie that's come out. They have some huge issue dedicated to them, including interviews with J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and all this stuff. But I think, in a sense, a letdown has started to happen because we've pretty much absorbed everything that there is to absorb about The Force Awakens. And at this point, what do we have to wait for now? You know, we got to focus on Rogue One and Episode 8. Episode 8 was moved further away from us. Rogue One, the news about it has been so quiet, comparatively speaking, and a lot of that has to do probably with wanting to make sure that The Force Awakens gets all of its due. So we're in the middle of this very unique little waiting period, not necessarily with anything new and interesting coming out about The Force Awakens in terms of the actual story and what we can learn about the characters and all that stuff, but also in a dry spot for what's coming out. In the future with Rogue One. I mean, the next big thing I think we're going to find out, and it really comes down to finding out about what happened in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is the Life Debt novel by Chuck Wendig that's supposed to come out in April, I believe, and also Claudia Gray's Bloodlines novel, which is also supposed to come out this year. But there were all those Journey to the Force Awakens novels and other materials that came out prior to the release of The Force Awakens that we're all supposed to tie in and have these hints and clues and whatnot, and I think we'll be checking in with a few of those things to see what we might learn more about The Force Awakens or what kind of hints were actually shown to us and had been sitting out in plain sight for us to stumble upon and discover, and whether any of that actually has implications for the things that we don't know about the Star Wars universe as it's growing and evolving right now. Of course, on the podcast, we looked in detail at Star Wars Aftermath back in September. But there are other novels that have been released, including, let's see, Lost Stars and Moving Target, Smuggler's Run, The Weapon of a Jedi, and, of course, The Force Awakens novelization, and a couple of short stories as well, including ones that focus on those two... Wonderful folks inside Maz Kanata's castle. Basine Natal, the one that looks like a Harlequin that reported to the First Order that BB-8 had arrived on Takadana, and the guy that she's hanging out with, Grumgar, the huge guy with the tusks. And on the nonfiction side, there's stuff like the Visual Dictionary and the absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars books, too. And at this point, sure, it's definitely about finding out little bits and pieces more about The Force Awakens, but I think more than anything, it's about putting The Force Awakens in context with the entire Star Wars saga and how it fits in to the grand storyline and the grand chronology. And I'd love to hear from you about how you're feeling about The Force Awakens now that we are seven weekends down the road. Has the luster worn off for you, or are you still just super excited to see it every single new time that you see it? Chime in at the comments of the blog post for the show's episode at SW7x7.com. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7x7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles Anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Alright, let's get that trivia question out there for you. Get ready! Okay, for what? Last time we asked you who came to the rescue of Rey and Finn after their battle with Kylo Ren on Starkiller Base, and that was Chewie. Today's question, which three characters went off to find Luke Skywalker after the map was completed at the end of The Force Awakens? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you test out your new robot hand, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the Rebel Fleet. It's Destiny Unleashed.